God Knows Where. I'm Brett Harris. We're going to stick with Jesus today and look at what I think is the most beautiful example of what Sabbath is that we have in our tradition. And it comes right in the face of all that Sabbath was never intended to be. It's all about the healing Sabbath is intended to provide. I hope you enjoy it. And I would be remiss if I didn't encourage you to also check out Amy Butler's latest article at Good Faith Media called Deep Waters. Much of her experience as a pastor tracks with mine, and the work she's doing at Invested Faith is worth looking into as well. Check it out at the link in the show notes. Thanks for listening to God Knows Where and sharing this show with others. I hope you enjoyed today's episode, Healing Isn't Work. A reading from Luke 13. On a Sabbath, Jesus was teaching in one of the synagogues, and a woman was there who had been crippled by a spirit for 18 years. She was bent over and could not straighten up at all. When Jesus saw her, he called her forward and said to her, Woman, you are set free from your infirmity. Then he put his hands on her, and immediately she straightened up and praised God. Indignant because Jesus had healed on the Sabbath, the synagogue leader said to the people, There are six days for work, so come and be healed on those days, not on the Sabbath. The Lord answered him, You hypocrites! Doesn't each of you on the Sabbath untie your ox or donkey from the stall and lead it out to give it water? Then should not this woman, a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan has kept bound for eighteen long years, be set free on the Sabbath day from what bound her? When he said this, all his opponents were humiliated, but the people were delighted with all the wonderful things he was doing. Sabbath exists, maybe more than anything else, to bring healing. And yet, This religious leader and these opponents of Jesus there in that synagogue that day, they get upset with Jesus for healing a woman on the Sabbath. They get upset because healing to them is work. But to Jesus, it's an orientation. He comes at everything he approaches from an angle of healing. How can he make things whole again? Even the Sabbath. And he doesn't take their bait with their statements about the Sabbath. He calls their bluff when they try to make it about work. And in doing so, Jesus exposes their misunderstanding of Sabbath and maybe worse, their lack of love and concern for their neighbor. With one simple question, he puts them in their place. If moving an ox, though technically working, to get water, the water it needs to be nourished is acceptable, then How could it be unacceptable to heal a fellow human who's dealt with pain and discomfort and judgment for 18 years? Why is it okay to care for livestock and not your neighbor? It can only be okay to care for livestock and not our neighbors if our own well-being, which back then, in the world of this story, well-being leaned heavily upon the well-being of livestock the livestock that folks raised and lived by and made their living with. It can only be okay to care for them and not for our neighbors if our own well-being matters more than anyone else's, if making sure what I need is more important than what you need. 
It's easy for us to chide these priests, too, for their mistakes, to point out all the things that they get wrong, to scold them for their lack of concern and laugh at how wildly they miss the point of Sabbath. But before we do, we have to ask ourselves, how are we different? Do we use our Sabbath for its intended purpose? To reflect and heal? To heal ourselves or to heal others? Or do we use our Sabbath to debate? to defend our actions and decry those of others. Maybe we even have to ask, do we use Sabbath at all? I mean, what's your Sabbath like? Maybe a better question, if you're anything like me, is do you even take a Sabbath? Do you even have a Sabbath? You may not. I had to leave the church to get one. As I was coming to terms with leaving the church and how much I'd worked myself to the bone and how much I'd allowed others to grind me down as well, I read The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry by John Mark Comer. And I stopped underlining memorable statements in that book when I realized I was underlining entire pages. But the biggest takeaway I've held on to since then was this realization that Comer has and shares that I've come to see that Sabbath isn't a solitary practice. It's a communal one. He talks at length about how we used to not be able to shop or dine out or otherwise spend money on our Sabbaths because everyone was at home. No one was working. We all had agreed to take the day off together. But now we found a loophole, an ox in need of water-sized loophole. We can load up our Instacart and DoorDash dinner to our house and even scroll the internet for all the things that are out there. Whatever we want, we can do it all from home without technically working as long as our phones are charged. But all of that not doing is just putting the work, is just putting the doing on someone else, keeping them from a day of rest too. It's looking out for ourselves and not looking out for our neighbors, and it's wearing us all thin. My ability to rest is tied to your ability to rest. My ability to heal is tied to your ability to heal. If my Sabbath only leads to my rest and recuperation and healing and not also yours, then what are we doing and where are we going? Now, I don't have one of these, let's just go back to the good old days, outlooks on life, but there was something great about driving home from the Christmas Eve service this year and seeing every door closed and every light out in every business and every restaurant we passed at 6.30 at night. There was something refreshing about thinking that so many folks were getting a chance to rest that night, or even if not to truly rest, at least to be at home and away from work. It was nice feeling like, at least in this little part of the world, we'd mostly agreed that it was time to stop, that it was okay to stop. And for Sabbath to truly bring the healing it's been established to bring us on a regular basis, that's what it has to be, a collective decision, a collective effort to slow down and step back. And to do so in order to look around and see the world and each other differently, like God did on that seventh day. We have to look around and pay attention to the world around us, to notice 
the distinction between those stores who dim their lights to rest that night and those who turn theirs up brighter just to earn a few more dollars. Because when we slow down, when we do slow down and step back, we are able to see the world and each other more clearly. We're able to see the healing that still needs to happen in our lives and in the lives of those around us. We're able to realize that Fannie Lou Hamer was right when she said nobody's free until everybody's free. For years, no one had been looking out for this woman or helping her heal. Not on a Sabbath, not on any day of the week. They'd gotten their rest on their Sabbaths, but she'd continued to toil and struggle with a body that was worn down and out every single day. And Jesus, when he met her, he took time out of his Sabbath to bring that to an end, to renew her body and her mind and her spirit, just as Sabbath intends. With one question, Jesus exposed the structure that we've built around Sabbath and perpetuates still today. One that leaves no time for recuperation for you or for me. No chance to heal wounds, ours or anyone else's, and to see the world with fresh eyes. And he reminds them in this moment what matters most, especially on the Sabbath. And that's the same thing that he reminded them earlier in Luke. That to love God is to love your neighbor. And it's only because he remembers that Sabbath isn't just about rest, yours or mine, but also about our collective renewal, that he's able to renew her body and make her whole once again. He's only able to honor God's establishment of the Sabbath by caring for someone also made in God's image because he remembers the reason for the day, to heal. I can't tell you how many times I got a text or an email on a Sunday morning or a Sunday evening when I was a pastor from someone apologizing to me for not being at church. And these weren't from folks who were off on vacations or who had gotten called into the office on Sunday morning. They were from folks who were so exhausted and beat down by the week or weeks behind them that they needed a break. And the performance and production of getting up and getting people ready and going to church wasn't going to give them the break they needed to recuperate. And I can't tell you how many of them were surprised when I told them I wasn't taking attendance that day. I wasn't docking their grade or asking for them to enter some PTO into the HR system. What they needed was healing, not to be guilted into checking off some box. So I always told them to do what they needed to do to care for their bodies and their minds and their spirits, and I would catch them next week. As we think about Sabbath and what it means for us and how it can help draw us closer to God, we need to ask, are we getting the time for reflection and healing that we need to become whole? Is the time and the space we are taking helping others find healing too, or is it adding to their burdens? Are we able to see and respond to the ways our neighbors and our world need healing? 
Is Sabbath helping us see our neighbors the way Jesus does, or instead as obstacles on our way? If the answers are no, then I'd say we need to reorient ourselves towards Sabbath the way Jesus sees it here through this woman. So yes, let's stop. Let's rest. Let's turn off the worry machine. But as we do, let's not forget to look around and and check in on those friends who struggle to stop as well and help them find rest also. Let's reach out to someone who's been struggling with a burden that they've carried for far too long, and let's help them unload it that day. Let's see what and who we miss in all our hurrying around and keeping up and do something for them. Even if we can't heal them like Jesus, let's do something that might brighten their day and give them a little hope and a reason to praise God. And may all of it remind us that healing is a part of our calling each and every day. If we can do that, if we can reorient towards that understanding of Sabbath, I think we'll grow closer to God and our eyes will open wider to the ways we can bring healing to others. And together, we can all heal and rejoice together for the first time in a very, very long time. God Knows Where is written, produced, and edited by me, Brett Harris, with music by Thomas Steinwinder and Michael Trest, and unwavering support from my wife, Elizabeth. If you like what you hear, I'd encourage you to share God Knows Where with your friends and family, and give us a review in Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to this show. It'll mean the world to me, and it'll help more people find God Knows Where. Thanks in advance for your help and for being here and for listening. Until next time, take these words from William Sloan Coffin with you. May God give you the grace never to sell yourself short. Grace to risk something big for something good. Grace to remember that the world is too dangerous for anything but truth and too small for anything but love. So may God take your minds and think through them, your eyes and see through them, and your hearts and set them on fire.